This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Take a look at Psalm 77 this morning. I've entitled today's message, Hope is My Meditation. Now, in the previous messages, we've been taking a look at what we have hope in. Today, we're taking a look at what hope is, and hope is the meditation of our heart. Let's take a look at that this morning from Psalm 77. We're going to read the entire psalm because it is so good. Psalm 77, verse number one, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night. And ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. The holdest mine eyes waking. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I've considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart. My spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Does his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. And I said, this is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord Surely will I remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. The waters saw thee, O God, the waters saw thee, and they were afraid. The depths were also troubled. The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound. Thine arrows also went abroad. The voice of thy thunder was in the heaven. The lightnings lightened the world. The earth trembled and shook. Thy way is in the sea, and thy path is in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Thou lettest thy people like a flock, by the hand of Moses and Aaron. As we take a look at the idea of of meditation, so many times uh, we get the wrong perception of what meditation looks like. Uh, There's uh, ideas behind meditation that we uh, are to sit quietly and empty our mind of all thoughts and all emotion uh, to allow ourselves to be completely and totally clear. That's not the biblical idea behind meditation. If you've ever tried to do that, you find it's very, very difficult. Uh, for me, even when I pray sometimes, I'm, uh, while I'm praying, I'm thinking about things that has to get done for the day, or as I pray for someone, I think about things that are going on in their life, or the last time that I talked to them, or uh, man, I need to shoot them an email or a text message today, let them know I was thinking about them, and my mind wanders even while I'm in prayer. So the idea of sitting down and meditating and completely flushing our mind of any thoughts and flushing our heart of any emotion just isn't a realistic thing to do. Sometimes uh, even... 
certain forms of Christianity can get swept up into uh, the idea of New Age meditation. That's definitely not what's being uh, discussed here in this passage or what we're talking about this morning. There's a troublesome and I would say really anti-biblical idea behind a, a practice which is called contemplative prayer. And the idea is that you go into a room and you sit quietly and wait for the Lord to speak to you. And the idea is that you sit quietly in a room with other people and you again uh, empty your, your heart and your mind of any thoughts and emotions and wait for God to speak to you. That's dangerous Sometimes uh, in these contemplative prayers, they'll bring you into a dark room where you sit, where you can't even see anything lest you be distracted. Hey, let me just tell you, you put me in a dark room and tell me to be quiet, it's gonna be about 90 seconds and I'm gonna be out like a light. The idea of us sitting in a room, a quiet room, waiting to hear from God. And again, sometimes they'll use verses out of context to talk about God speaking in a still small voice uh, and we need to wait and hear from that small voice. Friend, Elijah heard God speak in a still small voice because he didn't have 66 books of God's word the way that you and I do. You want to contemplate something. You want to meditate on something. You want to hear from God. He has given us everything that we need in his word. So again, when we think of the idea of meditation, it's not so much getting rid of all the thoughts and feelings that we have and and being a blank canvas. The idea is to contemplatively process through the thoughts, feelings, and emotions that we have in light of God's word. Let me say that again. Contemplatively think and process through our thoughts, emotions, and feelings in light of the truth of God's word. That's what we're talking about when we speak of meditation on God, God's word, meditation on life, is to contemplatively, on purpose, think through and process through our feelings, thoughts, emotions, circumstances in light of the Word of God. That's what biblical meditation looks like. Now, the idea of meditation also means it's not going to be a one-time thing. It's going to be something we continually come back to. The idea behind meditation isn't just it's a one-time thought that I have that I move on from. When we're called to meditate on the Word of God, it's not something that we think about for a split second and then move on. It's something that we think deeply on. I remember uh, one of my favorite candies in the world is hot tamales. Uh, Spicy food and spicy candy. Uh, I'm not really good with spicy stuff. I like it sometimes. Uh, But if I'm the type of person, I'm a lightweight If I chew big red chewing gum, I break out in sweats. If I'm wearing glasses, my glasses will fog up. And I mean, I just can't take spicy stuff very well. But for some reason in the world, I love the hot tamales candy. And Angela, one year for Father's Day, bought me a five-pound bag of hot tamales from Sam's Club. And she gave that to me, and I thought to myself, my word, five pounds of hot tamales. What am I going to do with these? And so foolishly, I took them to work with me and I stuck them in my second desk drawer. Not the top desk drawer because you'll see them every time and they'll automatically go there. So I put them in my second desk drawer. Started off the morning, I grabbed a handful of them and put them on my desk and I began to eat them one at a time. And if you've ever had a candy like that, that's addictive, that as soon as you finish it, you think, oh, I need another one of those. And you just keep taking handfuls I hate to confess to you, but I took those to work on a Monday. By Tuesday at lunchtime, they were gone. 
I had eaten through five pounds of hot tamales in a day and a half. Why? Because I kept going back to it again and again. Ooh, that was good. I'm just going to have one more. Ooh, that was good. I think I'm going to try a couple more. Ooh, that was kind of a hot one. I'm going to take a break for a minute. Nope, that was actually really good. Let me try another one. And that's the idea for you and I when it comes to meditation. Ooh, that was good. Let me come back to that thought again. Man, that speaks to me. Let me just enjoy that for a minute. Hey, that was a little heavy. I think I'm going to need a break to process through and think through that for a minute. That's the idea that we think of when we come to the idea of meditation, something that I go back to again and again and again. As we look at this passage, we find that there's great hope in meditation. As we kick off off this psalm this morning, Psalm 77, starting in verse number one, really through uh, verse number nine, we see that discouragement comes but we cannot live there. Discouragement is going to come, no doubt about it. And sometimes Christians get uh, super bummed out because they think to themselves, I'm such a terrible Christian because I get discouraged. And the situation came up, and I should have been more mature. I should have handled it in a better way, but it just overwhelmed me, and I'm just a terrible Christian because of that. Read through the Psalms. You find here nine verses of a guy who's super bummed out. The psalmist in this case here, verse number one, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. I cried, and God heard me. I know he heard me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord, and my sore ran in the night and ceased not, and my soul refused to be comforted. Regardless of where I tried to find comfort, I could not be comforted in my soul. Verse number three, here's the thing. He tried to shift his focus towards God, and I remembered God, but I was troubled by that. Verse number three, I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed. Pause for just a second here and know this. When you get into a complaining spirit, just know your spirit will be overwhelmed 100 times out of 100. Again, when we focus on the negative and we want to have a complaining spirit, and the worst part about complaining spirit is that we find other people who can complain with us and then we just pile on. I was talking with a friend or so a a year ago and um, I made the statement. I said, misery loves company. The person said, no, 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 that's not true. Misery loves miserable company. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's right. Have you ever tried to complain to somebody and they go, well, it's not that big of a deal? And you're just like, really? And you're just like, wow, what what a jerk, you know? (laughs) You're always complaining. You tried to shut me down. Or maybe you even go a step further and make your case why this is so terrible. And you complain, uh, your complaining goes up to the next level. Because you obviously didn't get it when I complained the first time because you said it's not that bad. Let me tell you why this is bad. The spirit was overwhelmed. Verse number four, thou holdest mine eyes waking. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I've considered the days of old, the year of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart. My spirit made diligent search. And now he shifts from this is how I feel. This is how I'm processing through all this. I'm griping, I'm complaining, I'm down, I'm so troubled that I can't even speak. And now he shifts the blame from himself over to God. And again, it's okay to question God, but at the end of the day, you've got to come back to a place of trust and faith in God, just like the psalmist does here. He asks the question, verse number seven, will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Is God, is God completely and totally done away with me and he's not gonna give me anything good for the rest of my life? Verse number eight, is his mercy clean gone forever? Does his promise fail forevermore? 
cut, you made promises, but I don't feel like you're keeping your end of the bargain. Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Hey, God, did you forget about you being merciful and gracious and kind and loving and compassionate and caring? Did you forget all of that? Now, again, on the surface, some people can look at this as blasphemy. But I think it's just a matter of being honest with God. That's why I do not subscribe to the idea that Christianity is a blind faith. You just willingly put your head down and, and, and go where you're told to go and do what you're told to do. I don't find that at all in Scripture. I find people who wrestle and struggle with their faith, people who wrestle and struggle with the promises of the Bible, people who wrestle, wrestle and struggle with God's sovereignty, God's choices. But again, if you, know, if you read the rest of the psalm, he comes back to a place where he says, but, you know what, God, you're right. You're good. You're faithful. See, discouragement comes, but we can't live there. It's okay to be down for a minute. It's okay to be down for, for a little bit, but you cannot live there. When your discouragement goes on for days, weeks, months, and even years, friend, it's gone on too long. You got to turn that ship around. Well, how do I do that? Hope. Hope turns that discouragement around every single time. We'll take a look at how that happens this morning. So while we can focus on our difficult times or we can focus on maybe God not holding up his end of the bargain like we see verses one through nine here, really, everything turns the corner in verse number 10 because we must think on God's faithfulness and his blessings. We must think on God's faithfulness and blessings. Again, verses one through nine, it's all about me, me and the things that I feel and I can't sleep at night and I can't even think, I can't even speak. God, what have you done? Why have you left me here? Why are things going sideways? And verse number 10, everything changes when he chooses to think on God's faithfulness and blessings. Verse number 10, I said, this is my infirmity. This is the rough spot that I'm going through. But... And that conjunction right there makes all the difference in the world. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Again, as we take a look at this uh, idea through Psalms, we always see when it speaks of God's right hand, in, in Jewish culture, the right hand was always the, the hand of favor, the hand of blessing, the hand of power. Apologies again to all the lefties out there. God is not left-handed, he's right-handed. And so God says, my right hand is my hand of power, blessing, favor, strength. And here's what verse number 10 says. I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. We don't know how long, verses 1 through 9, he's going through a difficult spot or a time of discouragement. We don't know how long that is, but here's what we do know. He remembers the years of God's blessings that came from his right hand. Psalm 89, verse number one, I love this. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. Some of you might know the, the song that goes along with that psalm. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing, I will sing. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness, thy faithfulness. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. 
I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. I love that. You know what? I'm going to remember how good God's been, and I'm going to sing about it. I'm going to praise about it, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm also going to let everybody that'll stop for 30 seconds know how good my God is, and I'll make his name great to every generation. I'm going to teach my kids how good God is. I'm going to tell my neighbor how good God is. I'm going to tell my coworker how good God is. I'm going to tell that dude at the gym how good God is. I'm going to let that be known of his faithfulness because he's so faithful. If you missed, I think it was three weeks ago, we took a look at hope in God's faithfulness. He's always faithful. You can trust him. Verse number 10, he says, I'll remember. But verse number 11, notice he says, I'll remember again twice. I'll remember the works of the Lord. Surely will I remember the wonders of old. And I was reading through this passage a few weeks ago, and verse number 11 just hit me like a ton of bricks. I'll remember. What will I remember? I'll remember the works, and I'll remember the wonders. And again, on the surface, we can think that those might be the same thing, but they're not. You see, first of all, we're commanded to remember the works of the Lord. Again, verse number 11 I will remember the works of the Lord. I love the idea of remember. Remember means to consciously pursue the memory of. Oftentimes, uh, me, I, I love technology. Uh, I, I love the idea of a, of a digital system that we have that we put our to-do list on and things like that. I got one of the very first ever Palm Pilots back in the day. If you don't know what that is, you need to look it up because they were awesome. Uh, it was a personal digital assistant or a PDA. Uh, you had a, 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 later they came out with a cradle that you could dock it into and you hit a button uh, that connected to your computer via nine pin serial connection. Some of you have no idea what that is, but it preceded USB. And you stick it in there and you have to have all the software loaded up and you push the button and it would, uh, would sync with some desktop software that connected to nothing else. But the idea was this, that you could take your to-do list everywhere you went. And it didn't have a, a keyboard. It had this uh, writing a stylus with a writing system called Graffiti. Some of you need to watch a YouTube vid video on this because it'll blow your mind. And basically, when you made a letter, you made like a part of a letter, and it would sometimes get it right and sometimes it wouldn't. But the idea that in my pocket, I'm going to put a to-do list to help me to remember everything that I got going on, it was awesome problem was it failed because the battery would die. I'd forget to, to charge it. I wouldn't be able to sync with my desktop software. I put something on the desktop. It overwrote the, uh, the Palm Pilot and it would get all messed up. And they came out with the Palm 3. I remember the very first time they ever came out with the, uh, the Palms that had a built-in cell phone. Oh, my soul. Game changer. But you know what I often revert back to? I've got, I've tried every to-do list under the sun, every to-do list app. I've tried bullet journaling. Again, I've got a lot of really nice journals that I started bullet journaling on. But you know what I've come back to oftentimes? Writing stuff on my hand, the original Palm Pilot. Because I think to myself, if I write it on my hand, I won't lose it. If I lose my hand, I've got a lot more problems than whatever was written on my hand not being remembered. 
But the idea of remembering the works of God, we can't put that in a to-do list somewhere. We have to consciously make a choice to bring it back to memory. How do we remember how good God is? Here's the word, meditation. I'm gonna think today about how faithful God's been. I told you last week that I have a gratitude journal that I started using again to, to write down how good God's been. For me, really, one of the best ways that I remember God's faithfulness is photos. So many times I'll take, I'll see something, I'll take a picture of it. We go to a restaurant, Angela and I, we'll take a picture together, and then we'll see a few years later that, that picture come up. We have uh, on our, we have an uh, Amazon Fire TV Cube that, that syncs with our Amazon account. Uh, and uh, we have photos stored in Amazon too, and the uh, screensaver that it does is it rotates through photos that are on your Amazon account. We sit there so many times and see our kids when they were smaller and things that they were doing, or we see uh, friends that we had dinner with, or folks who were uh, used to be members of Hui Kala who we had a dinner with before they left and things like that. We're reminded of God's goodness, his faithfulness, but we have to come back to a place where we remember the works of God. Now, what is different between the works of God and the wonders of God? The works of God are the average, ordinary, everyday faithfulness of God, the works of God. The sun came up today. That's the works of God. Now, again, you might say that that's a wonder. And if we talk about the creation of the universe and how everything's held together and what the sun does for us versus the moon and the, the planets and rotation and all things like that, that's the wonders of God. But just the fact that the sun came up today, that's the works of God because it's gonna happen tomorrow by the grace of God. The fact that I have breath in my lungs today is the works of God. I'm gonna remember the works of God, just the small, everyday, average, ordinary faithfulness of God. I'm gonna remember those things. But notice in verse number 11 also, it says we must remember the wonders of God. I'll remember the works of God. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. The difference between a work and a wonder is the average Ordinary is the works. The wonder is the massive, awesome provision, faithfulness of God. I look at my children and I see the wonder of God. Last Sunday for Mother's Day, we took a, a photo of Angela with all of our children. And I look at that, and as you see the kids smiling, this one's got her smile, this one's got her eyes, all of them have her good looks, um, thankfully. But as I look at that, I go, wow, that's the wonder of God. When I remember the birth of every single one of those children, I remember the wonder, the awesomeness, the majesty, the provision of God. When I look at who we call a Baptist church, I think of the wonders of God. What this place is, and I'm not talking about this building, I'm talking about this people, what this place is, is a wonder. The building has an incredible story. If you got some time, I'd love to tell you the whole story about how we wound up here at 1216 Wymanu Street. It'll blow your mind at the wonders of God. But more than that, the people, the family, the ohana, that's the wonder of God. I believe you, when you come through this time in your life, this period of time in our church, this massive historical event that all of us are a part of, I think we're gonna come over out of this on the other side of it and go, whoa, 
That was awesome. That was impressive. That is the awesome majesty and wonder of our God. One of the greatest wonders for those of us that call ourselves Christians. One of the greatest provisions that God has ever provided for us is the gift of salvation. You see, all of us were born into this world at odds with God. All of us were born into this world as sinful, selfish human beings with no hope of having a relationship with God. We were the enemies of God. No hope of eternal life. We were bound for eternal death. No hope of heaven. We were destined for hell. But God commendeth or demonstrates his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter five, verse number eight says that you and I were supposed to die, but God sent his son Jesus to die in our place. And friend, if there's never been a time in your life where you've accepted Christ as Savior, today is that day because otherwise you're still on your way to hell. You're still on the way to eternal death. You're still under God's wrath and judgment because that's what you deserve. That's what I deserve. But God sent his son in his grace, in his mercy, in his love and his compassion to save us from our sin. And if you'd be willing to put your faith in Jesus Christ today as your Lord and Savior, if you'd be willing to say, God, I believe that I'm a sinner and I believe that Jesus paid the price for my sin, I'm asking today for forgiveness of my sin as I turn to Jesus as my Savior. The Bible says you can be saved today and you will have more hope than you know what to do with. Guaranteed, it's a promise of God's word. There's no greater wonder than the fact. There's no greater wow than the fact that God sent his son Jesus, who was fully God, to become fully man, to walk this earth, to feel our feelings, to endure our pain, to take upon himself our sin. The Bible says to him, who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. Jesus came, God in the flesh, to take my sin upon him, to go to the cross, to suffer, to bleed, to die, to be buried in a tomb, to be raised again the third day as payment and proof positive of God's forgiveness for the sins of those who would believe in him. John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world, that's you and I, that he gave his only begotten son, that's Jesus, that whosoever, that's any person on planet earth who believes in him, is willing to put their faith and trust in him as the savior and turn from their sin, shall have everlasting life. That means forgiven of your sin. That means hope for, of heaven. Your home is there. And all the promises of God's word are yours for the taking if you'd be willing to put your faith and trust in him, no greater wonder than that, the wonder of our salvation. Another wonder of God is that he would give us his Holy Spirit. The moment that you become a child of God, God puts inside of you the Holy Spirit. His Spirit lives inside of every single person who's accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. And God promises to never leave us or forsake us, and he's with us in the form of the Holy Spirit. Another incredible, awesome wonder, God's Word. The fact that God has preserved his word for thousands of years. There's been enemies of God, enemies of God's word who tried to snuff out the Bible, but here it stands today 
as the word of God. It's trustworthy, it's reliable, it's good from cover to cover, and you and I can trust it. What an incredible wonder. The fact that God's word was written to us, for us, preserved for us, and now is just, just as effective today as it was the day that it was written. I was reading a book uh, several months ago talking about the Psalms. It's saying that some of the Psalms were over 3,000 years old. And I had this thought that someone writing one of the Psalms 3,000 years ago, that you and I would read and go, wow, that hits me right here. Wow, that's exactly what I'm going through right now. Would be exactly like someone picking up my journal or yours in the year 5000 AD and opening up our journals and going, whoa, that hits me right here. Wow, that was deep. And I thought to myself, how can that happen? How can something written thousands of years ago be so incredibly true today? You know why? Because it's the word of God. How does that happen? It's the wonder of God. And I will remember the wonders of old. So he says, verse 10, I'll remember the years of the right hand. I'll remember the works of the Lord. I'll remember the wonders of old. Verse number 12 tells us we must also meditate on all of God's works. Verse number 12, I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. Remember, 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 meditate. I'm going to remember the years of the right hand. I'm going to remember your works. I'm going to remember your wonder. And then I'm going to meditate on all those things. Psalm 104, I'm sorry, Psalm 105, verse number four says, Seek the Lord in his strength, seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgment of his mouth. Just remember how good God is. Remember all the things that he's done. Remember his marvelous works, his wonders and his judgments. As they're studying for, through this passage, I was looking up the word meditate and the original Hebrew word that was used here caught me off guard a little bit because the definition of it was to growl, to moan, or to utter. And I thought to myself, what a strange word to use for meditate. Like growl, like like moan, like oh. Or to utter. But then as I studied on, it says, read in an undertone. And I thought to myself, moan, growl, read in an undertone. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Oh, man. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Oh. He hath made him 
who knew no sin to be sin for us. Oh, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, mm. I get it. I understand. Meditate, growl, moan, read in an undertone. That's what it means to meditate. Not just ram off a 10 verses, but to sit and think, oh, yeah, that's good. When I got to verse 11, as I was reading through it a few weeks ago, I'll remember the works and I'll remember the wonders. Oh, the works and the wonders. As I, I read back through this passage again, I see, I'll remember the years of the right hand. I'll remember the, the works. I'll remember the wonders. And I'll meditate. Remember, 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 meditate. Oh, and I get it. That's the idea behind meditation. See, meditation is continual contemplation. I'm going to continue to think about that. Unless we think that we're just supposed to meditate on only the good times. Notice as it says in verse uh, number um, 11, I'll remember the works of the Lord, I'll remember the wonders of old, but also I'll meditate also on all of thy work. I'm not just going to focus on the good stuff. I'm going to focus on it as a total package. I'm going to look at the suffering that I go through and see the good things that God brings out of it. I'm going to see the suffering that I go through that I still don't understand and see the good that comes from it. I'm going to see situations that I would have done differently, and I'm going to take that as a total package that God just knows what's in charge, and I'm going to meditate on those things. coronavirus pandemic where the church can't gather and meet for eight weeks so far. I can't fathom that. I want to complain about it. I want to gripe. I want to push ahead. I want to be, hurry this thing up. But I've just got to step back and I got to remember the works of the Lord. I got to remember the wonders of the Lord. And then I have to meditate on all of his work as a package. Continual contemplation. What does all this mean? What does God want me to get through this? What is God trying to teach me? One of the things that God's taught me through this time is that I love my church family fiercely. I enjoyed getting together couple times a week, but I crave it now. I look forward to seeing people's faces on little postage stamp size windows on my laptop on Wednesday nights. I look forward to that. You know why? Because I love you people fiercely. That's what God's taught me through this. God's taught me so much about myself, so much about my family, so much about my faith that I have to step back and I have to say, God, you've been faithful thus far. You started this church from nothing and brought us into a place of your favor, your blessing, and whatever lies ahead, I'm just gonna trust you and I'm gonna meditate on that. God, I can trust you. You're good, you're faithful. 
So it's a continual contemplation of everything that God's done. Psalm 19:14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I think it's awesome how God puts in verse number 19 there, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. You see, the words that we say is only a small fraction of what's really going on in our heart. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so when we say an angry or hateful or ugly word, that's just our heart talking. Sometimes people say uh, ugly things. They say, oh, I don't know where that came from. I know where it came from. It came from your heart. <laughs> There's some guys uh, doing construction uh, out back of the, the uh, on Kona Street behind our church building here. And a guy was running the bulldozer the other day, and he backed over something, and something got messed up, and uh, he let out some unsavory words as construction workers might do from time to time. And he shouted it too. Now, mind you, there's loud machinery around, but he shouted it. And I turned around and looked, and he looked at me, and he goes, sorry about that, pastor, sorry about that. And he looks at all the guys around and goes, hey, fellas, watch the language, the pastor's around. And I just laughed, I thought to myself, first of all, you don't have to tell them to watch their mouth because you're the one that was cussing. Second of all, do you really think that I'm the person that you should be worried about offending? I mean, there's somebody bigger than me that's going to judge you according to what his word says, and you ain't going to apologize to me about it. I appreciated him being thoughtful and not wanting to use foul language in front of me, but I thought to myself, and he said, sorry about that, sorry about that. I don't, I don't usually talk like that. And I thought to myself, okay, okay. Where do words like that come from? They come from our heart. And so the psalmist says in Psalm 19, let the words of my heart, let the things that I say be acceptable in your sight. But so much more than that, let the meditation of my heart, the things that I think about, the things that I keep coming back to, let those be acceptable in your sight as well. Because our words feed off of our meditation. Remember, 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 meditate. Psalm 104, 33, I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. Remember the years of the right hand. Remember your works. Remember your wonder. Meditate on all your works. Remember, 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 meditate. You see, the Bible talks a lot about the, the thoughts that we think because the thoughts that we think go to our heart and the meditation of our heart determines our further thoughts, our actions, our words, that's why the Bible says, keep thy heart, protect your heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. So the Bible speaks a lot about what we think because our heart follows our thoughts. My thoughts go to my heart and it comes out in my words, my actions, and my deeds every single time. 
I love what 2 Corinthians verse number 10 says, speaking about how we are supposed to protect our thoughts. That's why I'm telling you, let the meditation of your heart be on the things of God. Let the things that you think about in your mind, you need to remember how good God's been. You need to remember the mighty works that he's done. You need to remember the day that you got saved. You need to remember all the storms of life that God brought you through. You need to remember all the times when hope was completely lost and God came through. You need to remember that because your heart wants to focus on the storm and forget about the Savior in the storm. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 15, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Take a look at that verse if it's in your notes there this morning. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, casting down imaginations. The things that I think might happen, the things that I think could happen, conjecture what people might think. Nope, I'm casting that down. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, anything that comes my way that is contrary to the word of God, I'm casting that down as well. I'm not gonna sit and think about what could be, what might happen, what could possibly come to pass. I'm gonna cast that down. And any thought that comes in my mind that God might not be good, God might not be looking out for me, there's a better way than God's way, maybe I'll just do my own thing for a little while, I'm gonna cast down that as well because it exalts or builds up itself against the knowledge of God. And I'm gonna cast that down. I love what verse number five says here, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every thought that comes in my brain, I'm gonna filter it through the filter of God's word to say, is that true? Every thought that comes through my mind is gonna get stopped, processed, and then sent on or rejected. Just like they have the uh, scanning people at the airport with thermometers. You're gonna stand in a line, you're gonna get scanned. You got a temperature, you're going to this room over here, you're gonna see somebody else. That's the idea that you and I have to process every thought that comes through our brain and say, does this go against the knowledge of God? Is this some foolish imagination that I have? If so, that thought gets rejected. Again, I can't tell you how many times people let those foolish thoughts pass on through to their heart. Well, I haven't been happy in my marriage in so long. Maybe I just need to see what else is out there. Reject that thought, send it back where it came from. It came from the pits of hell and is a lie of the devil. Well, they say that the grass is always greener on the other side, so maybe I should go to the other side and see how green that grass really is. Maybe you should stop and water your own lawn. Think about that for a minute and reject the idea that there's something better out there because know this, when we hate our situation and what we're in, just know whatever situation we think we're going to has its own set of problems as well. Just wait on the Lord. Process every thought that it comes through. Is this true? Is it false? Does it line up with God's word? And I'm either going to allow it to pass or I'm going to reject it. That's what it means to take every thought captive. Paul, as he writes in Philippians chapter four, verse number six, he says, be careful or don't worry about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Paraphrase. Don't worry about everything. 
pray about it and praise God in advance and thank him for the way he's gonna work this out for you. That's what I want you to do. Don't worry about it. Just pray, just praise, be thankful. And what happens? And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That phrase, shall keep your hearts and minds, that word keep means to arrest or grab hold of, to protect. Just like when we start talking about protect your heart, keep thy heart with all diligence. The word keep means to protect or to hold on to or grab tightly to arrest. And here's what it says. If I don't worry about things, I give things to God and I praise him in advance for what he's done. I'm talking about the thoughts that I think and what's the meditation of my heart. I'm just gonna give it to God. And you know what the Bible says? God's gonna give me a peace that passes all understanding. And you know what else he's gonna do? He's going to protect my heart, protect my mind by what Jesus does for me. Have you ever had peace in the middle of a storm before? You talk about you're going through it, going through the ringer, difficult times are there, and you're just like, eh, whatever happens, happens. I'm just gonna trust God through this. One of the men in our church, this was like week two of all this that was going on. He said, hey, they're phasing out people that in my position, and here's how they're doing it. They're doing it in probably four different phases, and I don't know what phase I'm going to be in. He said, but whatever. God's faithful. And I love that. Possibly facing job slash career loss. And I just say, whatever. God's faithful. You know what had happened? This man had prayed. He had praised God in advance. And God gave him a peace that passes all understanding. That anybody else would have been freaked out. Everybody else would have been wondering when they're getting the pink slip. When's my number going to be called? Which of the four phases am I in? What will I do after this? How long can I live on the money that I have? But you know what he says? Eh, whatever. I'm just going to keep going to work till they tell me not to come back. I love that attitude. You know why? Because God had given a peace that passes all understanding that had protected his heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Love that. You see, when we talk, think about meditation of our hearts and the thoughts that we think continually, we cannot choose our feelings, but we can choose our thoughts. We can't always choose our feelings, but we can choose our thoughts. There have been times where I know what God's word says, but I can't help but be afraid. And again, fear is not necessarily a sin. Now, if I choose to reject God's word and choose to embrace my sin, that, that's a sin. Or I choose to embrace my fear, that's a sin. But to be scared is not a sin. That's why the Bible says, what time I am afraid, I will trust in you. When I am fearful, I'm just going to trust that you're going to work everything out. When all this happened originally, and they told us we weren't going to be able to meet, my initial reaction, fear, panic, was nervous, scared. And while I couldn't control my emotions, I could control my thoughts. I'm scared, but God's faithful. I'm panicked, but God is good. I don't know how all this is going to work out, but God does. Can you have a church that simply, simply meets online for weeks? 
Is that even possible? I don't know, but God does. Will this be the end of church as we know it? Well, the church has existed for 2,000 plus years and has gone through worse things than this before. So I think the church is going to be okay. And so I couldn't choose my feelings at that moment, but I could choose my thoughts. And there's certain thoughts that I just can't entertain. Somebody had said to me a couple of weeks ago, well, Pastor, they're saying that this could come every winter. This coronavirus, until they find a vaccine, it could come about every single winter. What are we going to do if we have to shut down for 90 days every winter? You know what I said? I can't think about that right now. Well, no, what will we do? I'm not even going to entertain that thought. Well, what would you do? I don't know. But I know that if that happens, that God is faithful and he'll take care of it and he'll give us the wisdom we need to walk through it with great faith and we'll be stronger on the other side of it. That's all I know, but I can't think about that today. Well, what about this? What if that? I can't do that. Now, again, I don't think it's wrong to have plans. We've, we're putting together a, a, a phased approach of how we can begin to have services back here when we get the green light. I don't think it's going to be a day where we all just get to gather together in one big, huge service and uh, nobody wears masks and we got the coffee flowing and cookies outside. I don't know that that's going to be the first day back, but we're put, trying to put together a phased approach. We're trying to plan ahead. But I can't think of things that are outside the realms of current possibilities because that affects my heart. So while I cannot always change my emotions, I can change my thoughts towards that. That's why in Philippians 4, 8, again, the Bible speaks much of what we think. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Paul tells the church at Philippi, guys, just focus on these things right here. Everything else, flush it. There's a book that was really popular back in the 70s and 80s called The Power of Positive Thinking. Now, the idea, I think, is uh, just the title of the book might be okay, but the psychobabble nonsense on the inside of it just doesn't hold water. But you know what? There is some truth to the thoughts that we think. And if we allow ourselves to be overcome with negativity, we allow ourselves to be overcome with fear, we lap up every single news article that we find on the internet that talks about this. We buy into every single YouTube that video that gets put out that explains how this happened, how it's going to spread, how it's going to wipe out half the planet and things like that. That only fuels fear, uncertainty, doubt. And I can't afford that. I need hope. Where do we find hope from? The Word of God, the Spirit of God, the Son of God. And my meditation cannot be fear, uncertainty, and doubt. My meditation must be hope. A confident expectation of God based on his character and the promises of his word, hope. That's the meditation of my heart. I'm going to remember the years of the right hand. I'm going to remember the works. I'm going to remember the wonders. And I'm going to meditate on all your works. Remember, 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 meditate. We can't always change our circumstances, but we can choose our thoughts towards them. 
Paul wrote the uh, letter to the church of Philippi from prison. He couldn't change that. He couldn't get out of jail if he wanted to. But you know what he did say in Philippians 4.4? 4? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Hey, praise God. Find something good to praise God. And don't just praise God in good times. Praise God all the time. You know what Paul did? He praised God while he was in prison. He couldn't get out of prison. He couldn't change that. But he, he also didn't write some sad, sappy letter about how he didn't deserve to be in prison and how he was uh, being uh, held against uh, what should have been done that was right. He didn't try to get people to feel sorry for him. He says, hey, guys, I'm good. I just wanted to share with you. You guys need to praise. You guys need to rejoice in the Lord always. Hey, and let me say that again in case you didn't hear me the first time. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Does that mean Paul didn't have reason to complain? No, he did. Did Paul air out some of his grievances? Sometimes. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 14. He's writing to Timothy. He's closing out his uh, letter to Timothy, the last letter that we would find Paul writing in Scripture. It was a letter to a young pastor that he had mentored, considered his son in the faith. He says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil, but you know what? The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou aware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. Hey, Alexander, be careful. That if you see him, be careful of him, because not only did he do me wrong, but also he doesn't even want to hear what God's word says. Be careful with that, Timothy, if you see him. He didn't wish ill towards him. You know what he says? God will take care of him. I'm not sweating that. And he goes on to say, at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. Hey, when I was charged for what I was charged for, I was put in prison, nobody was, had my back. Nobody stood with me. Almost like the same thing that happened to our Lord and Savior. Maybe that's how Paul had so much power and boldness because when Jesus was arrested, all of his disciples split. Peter denied him three times. And so Paul says, hey, when I first stood, nobody stood with me. But all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not, may not be laid to their charge. Hey, I don't want anything bad to happen to him. I'm just saying nobody stood with me. But notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me, and he strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, that all the Gentiles might hear, that I was delivered out of the mouth of a lion, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and preserve me into his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And he says, Alexander did me wrong, so what? I got in prison, nobody stood with me, that's fine, the Lord stood with me. And God used me, Paul, to preach to the Gentiles so that non-Jews could be saved. Man, glory to God forever and ever, amen, let it be so. Paul couldn't change his circumstances, but he could definitely change how he thought about him. Notice he didn't go in a big gripe session about Alexander. We don't even know who Alexander the coppersmith was other than the fact that he hurt Paul. That's it. We know in Paul's other writings that Demas left him because Demas was in love with the world. We don't really know a lot else about that. You know why? Because Paul wasn't griping about his situation. He was praising God for what he was doing. 
He changed the thoughts that he was thinking, which changed his heart. Couldn't change his circumstances. Hey, it didn't bring Alexander back and apologize and make things right with Paul. We don't know that Demas ever came and made things right with Paul. And you know what Paul says? I'm washing my hands of that. I'm just moving on. Because he couldn't change his circumstances, but he could change his thoughts towards those circumstances. Remember, 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 meditate. Final thoughts together this morning. First of all, worship always defeats fear. Worship defeats fear. A recognition of the awesome majesty, the power, the strength of our God, remembering the wonders of old, remembering the day that God saved me, remembering the storms that God's brought me through, remembering God's faithfulness, remembering how God was a way out when I had no way out, that Jesus was my Savior when I had no Savior and could not save myself, to know that God paid my debt by the blood of his own son when I could not afford to pay my debt on my own. I'm going to remember that because that dissipates fear. I've been brought through it, and God's faithful. Worship defeats fear. Boldness defeats doubt. You say, well, I don't know how to be bold. Choose to be bold. I don't know how to get rid of doubt. Choose to trust God. It's a choice. You can either choose to doubt or you can choose to trust God in faith and boldness. I can tell you which one is better. Trust in God. But what is this? I don't know about that. What is that? I don't know about that. I do know that God is faithful and you can trust him. And we can stand and boldly proclaim God is faithful. He will see me through this. And I ain't got no time for doubt. And you don't either. Trust him because boldness defeats doubt. Joy defeats worry. Again, we can sit at home and bite our fingernails and watch every news story that comes on. And we can look at all the charts as they go up and down. We can get involved in all that or we can just say, I choose to have joy today. God's been faithful. And hey, if I die this weekend, just know that God's been faithful and he's been good and I'm celebrating for all of eternity with him and I'll see you when you get there. I can have joy because joy defeats worry. Worry has no place around joy. It's swallowed up. Worry steals your joy. Worry steals your passion. Worry steals your faith. And I refuse to let my heart and my mind chew on these foolish, vain imaginations that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I can't get caught up in that. I gotta go with what's true. What's true, you can find it in God's word. Praise defeats discontentment. Again, we can look around and go, well, you know, it must be nice to be like so-and-so. Uh-uh. Praise God for what you do have. Well, it, it'd be nice going through this if, if X, Y, Z or happened. Not, 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 not. Just 
Praise God for what you do have. Because that's a choice. I can choose to be discontent or I can choose to praise. I can choose to worry or I can choose to have joy. I can choose to doubt or I can choose to be bold. I can choose to fear or I can choose to worship God, but you can't do both at the same time. You can't. They're exclusive. They cancel out each other. So we choose to have hope. God's word's full of it. I don't have time for fear, uncertainty, and doubt. I don't have time to buy into this world's way of doing things. I don't have time to buy into the world's system. I choose to have hope. If you're struggling with hope, choose to have it. It's that easy because my thoughts lead my heart. And out of my heart come the issues of life. You just need to change your thinking. And again, not the power of positive thinking, like I'm going to sit, I'm going to close my eyes, and I'm going to think positive thoughts. Not that. Not I'm going to stand and I'm going to look at myself in the mirror and say, you're good enough, you're smart enough, and doggone it, people like you. I'm not talking about positive affirmations. I'm talking about coming back to the truth of God's word and saying, I will remember the years of your right hand, your strength, your favor, your blessing, your guidance. I'll remember the works of of you every single day. The sun rises, the sun sets, and you make it happen. I have breath in my lungs. I have praise in my voice because you are faithful. I'll remember your works. I'm gonna remember your wonders, the fact that you created all this world by speaking it into existence, that you gave us the word of God, the spirit of God, the son of God to help us to be your children. I'm gonna remember that, and then I'm gonna remember I'm going to meditate on all of your works. I'm going to remember that this life gives the good and the bad at the same time. The Bible says, what will we not, Job says, what will we not accept God's blessings but not accept at the same time the difficulty that comes with it? I'm going to remember that life is hard, but God is faithful. I'm going to remember that times are unsure, but God is always on time. I'm going to remember that I can't always trust the things that I hear on TV or I see on the internet or people even tell me to my face, but I can always trust God and his word every single time. So I choose to have hope. And friend, I choose to share hope. We have to choose to share hope. We have the answer to all of this. We do. And the answer is not another government bailout. It's not another stimulus check. It's not another uh, plan or program. The hope that we have to share is that God is faithful and that things like this are, are easy to God. He always takes care of his children. He's faithful. And I want to share that message of hope with every single person who will hear. God's faithful. You can trust him. There's hope to be had. Finally, we choose to meditate on hope. Hope is sweet. Leaves a good taste in your mouth. It's like that bag of hot tamales in the second desk drawer. It's going to have a little bit of hope right now. Ooh, that was good. I think I'll have a couple more. Hmm. That hope there was a little hot. I'm going to need a minute. No, actually, I need another one. That was good. I'm going to meditate on it. I'm not just going to plow through 10 chapters of the Bible. 
I'm going to find something that speaks to me, and I'm going to think about it again and again and again. I can't tell you how many times in the past several weeks I've thought about, I'll remember the works, and I'll remember the wonders of old. Oh, man. As I read that, there was a burning in my chest. Oh, that is so good. And you know what? I meditated on it. And it's funny because when I read the definition of meditate, I think to myself, I look back, and I'm thinking about Remember the works or remember the wonders. Oh. To read in an undertone, to growl, to mutter. Man, that's what it means to meditate. And I choose to meditate on hope. Or I can meditate on how crummy things are. When's everything going to get back open, up, open back up? When am I going to be able to get a haircut? When am I going to be able to go to the mall? When, when is, am I going to be able to sit down at Cheesecake Factory and ask them for a big basket of brown bread? When can I uh, go do my favorite things? When can I go back to Gyukaku and get a big plate of meat and cook it myself? When can I do these? I can gripe and mutter about those things. <laughs> my hair is the longest that it's been in probably 25 years. I actually had to get some scissors and trim it around my ears because I had hair coming over my ears. I can get upset about that or I can say, this is proof that I am trusting God through this time. We're living in unprecedented times that a man can't get a haircut without calling a black market barber. But God, you're so faithful through this. I choose to meditate on hope. Notice the psalmist at the very beginning says, I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. But by the end of the psalm, his spirit is overwhelmed by the meditation of his heart, which is on the goodness of God. So you can be overwhelmed by complaining or you can be overwhelmed by God's goodness. I choose God's goodness because he's faithful. Most important thing in the world, if you're listening to this today and you do not know for sure that you're saved, you're not 100% sure that heaven is your home. There's never been a time in your life where you've been saved or born again. Jesus himself said this, no man shall see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And friend, today you are without hope because hope is found in Jesus. And if you don't have him as your savior, you have no hope today. But all the hope that you'll ever need is found in Jesus Christ. If today you would put your faith in him and believe that he is enough, believe that he can save you from your sin and seek his forgiveness, the Bible says you can be saved today and all the hope and all the promises of God's word are yours anytime for the asking. But for those of us that are saved, let's let hope be our meditation this week. Let's allow the truths of God's word and his faithfulness. Let's remember the years of his right hand. Let's remember the works. Let's remember the wonders of old. Let's meditate on all of his works and talk about it. Hope is my meditation. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for the fact that your word is chock full of hope for us. God, we're thankful that our life experiences point back to times where you've been faithful and we've been able to put our hope in you. And God, you've never came up short. You've never left us alone. You've always been enough. God, help that drive our thoughts, our hearts this week. God, when we're overwhelmed with difficulty, when we find ourselves in the darkest night, let us remember, 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 and meditate. Thank you for your faithfulness. 
Help us to be faithful to you. We love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.